It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744, 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com, use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. Uh, yes, it does. On a throwback Thursday, KT Live, PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas. PSBR Law, the best in personal injury. You may not need them now. You may need them in the future. Jot the number down. 702, you got down for Vegas. 830-9353. 830-9353. Strength by your side. The relentless pursuit of justice. Brian Panish, my good pal, the senior partner, Panache Boyle and Ravaputi. And Raul Ravaputi sweating this week out because he's a big Buffalo Bills fan and they got that big Monday night game in Cincinnati. Can they hold on to home field advantage in the AFC? They got to get that one in Cincy. We know the Bengals have already taken out the Chiefs. They'll need help. If they win that game, Cincinnati, they still need help. They need KC to lose one of their last two against Denver at home. Probably not going to happen here against the Raiders. Probably not going to happen, but we'll wait and see. Again, remember, it's a Raiders team that did have Kansas City on the ropes, 17-0 at Arrowhead before succumbing and losing that game. Lots to talk about. And, of course, my good buddy Mark Hoke running the show. Mark Hoke show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke show right here live from Vegas on Sunday mornings. And a good young man uh, that I really enjoy working with whenever he's got the time. This guy's got a busy schedule. But he's one of my faves as far as to work with. He is Jose Volante. He is outstanding. He's well-versed, not only in the game, but the game within the game. He also enjoys the handicapping uh, side of things. So always, when I can get him in studio, I will. Andy Isco, not making it into studio, but AI, the original AI, not Alan Iverson, the old man Andy Isco, he will join us, hour number two, and uh, we will break some things down, uh, look at some NFL games in detail, big week in the NFL, also, college bowl games coming up. Got the playoff games on Saturday. A couple playoff games and two other good bowl games on Saturday as well. Four more games tomorrow. And we've got some games going right now and uh, some games from earlier today. Now, two games going right now before I introduce Jose. Cowboys 27-13, to 344 to go in the fourth quarter. And right now, the Titans are fourth and 15 on the Dallas 47. Not good. Uh, looking like the Cowboys will end up covering this number. Number going up to 13.5, closing there. Westgate Superbook, total 40.5, right now sitting at 40. So you're covering by a half point with Dallas. 
But if you need the over, you're behind a half point. So you may get one out of two. Now, if you have the Cowboys in the under, it's the way to go right now. Looking that way, again, a fourth and 15 for Tennessee. We'll keep an eye on that as it rolls on. One bowl game going. It's the Alamo Dome, uh, Alamo Dome game in San Antonio. And it is 13 to 10 Washington. Huskies had a 13-3 halftime lead over Texas. Lead at 13 to 10. Ewers in control. Quarterback-wise for Texas just let a touchdown drive. Washington, Michael Penix Jr., of course, at the helm. 13-10 Washington. Other two games over from earlier today on the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Pinstripe Bowl. It was Syracuse trying to get back into it. Made it close. Covered the number. They were plus 10.5, went up to 11, closed at 11. 44.5 was your total game, goes over 28-20, to 20, the final Minnesota's Golden Gophers. P.J. Fleck, they get the win over Dino Babers in Syracuse. And Oklahoma, Florida State, FSU had to battle. Oklahoma, literally, I mean, their whole offensive line, nobody played. And so you're thinking Dylan Gabriel is going to be in a lot of trouble. Somehow, some way, a couple running backs, a sophomore and a freshman, ran the ball really well for Oklahoma. And the defense came to play at times but Norvell and Florida State got the offense going in the second half, and Jordan Travis was solid. 35-32. FSU wins the game, but Oklahoma covers the number easily, the 10.5. I actually laid 9.5, but I did have Florida State on a three-team teaser that uh, cashed since they were minus 2.5. I know they don't recommend teasers in college football. Every now and then I enjoy it during bowl time, have a little bit of fun, get involved in some of the games that maybe ordinarily I would not get involved. But Jose Vellante, it is great to see you. First off, hope you had a great Christmas with the family. Happy New Year, my brother, coming up on Saturday night, little New Year's Eve here in Vegas. But always enjoy working with you, and great to see you. Ken, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited and blessed to be back in the studio with you. Uh, Christmas holiday was great. Nothing too crazy. Just hung out at home, had the in-laws in town. Uh, daughter's boyfriend came over, stayed out pretty late, you know, had a good time. Had a few drinks, nothing too crazy, very smart. Had some dinner, opened some gifts, and just enjoyed my family time and now enjoying the studio time, you know what I mean? So you're like me. You enjoy family time. Family time is so key. Uh, I mean, for somebody that didn't do it for a long time, that was more or less, you know, I'll just stay out myself. I'll stay out with some of the buddies and stuff. As you get older, you realize now you're much more mature at your age than I was at your age. You know, it's just just the way it is. You're a family guy. You got things going on. But you also enjoy a good time with the buds. And you do enjoy the gaming side of things. So we call it the game within the game. What's your favorite sport, Jose, to handicap? If you had one sport to handicap, what would it be? Um, It was football before. But if I'm being honest with you. College or pro? uh, Pro. Okay. Pro, pro, pro football has always been my, my go-to. I'm not going to say I'm the greatest at it, but I always love betting football when it comes to the NFL side more than anything. But Sides, totals, or both? Uh, it used to be sides and totals, but now recently with all of the prop Props, bets and everything yeah. else that's out, there's so much more to bet that, honestly, I don't really find myself touching the sides or totals that much as I used to. Um, but college basketball – Conference play during college basketball has become something that I really, really enjoy handicapping and looking at. Mountain West especially? Mountain West more than anything because we're out here, you know what I mean, keep it close to home. But it's just something about college basketball, watching these kids play, seeing the money movement, seeing the lines, things of that nature. It's fun, man, and it's exciting. It is, no doubt. All right, so Cowboys 27-13, they have the ball back. They face a third and eight from their own 49. We'll see if Tennessee gets the ball back, gets a last shot to get a backdoor cover. 13-10, Washington with the ball against Texas, keeping an eye on that game right here as well. So uh, those games are going as far as football. In the NBA, everything is final. On the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard, we go back there. Hornets at home, 121-113, minus two, get the cover. Game stays under the 238.5, hits 234, 121-113. Hornets over the Thunder, 135-126. The Pacers with the win against Cleveland by nine. They were plus four, total 225, game sales over. I don't know if you saw it, Jose, but off the tip, 
uh, gosh, dang it. I'm trying to, trying to remember, uh, uh, right off the tip, they got the, the fastest three-pointer, like three seconds into the game. It was almost like a set play. Buddy Heald got it. And the Cleveland-Indiana game? Yes. It okay. was outstanding. And uh, 3 nothing, like three seconds in. Like the tap goes to him. He's at the top of the, the circle there, three-point line, just lets it fly, goes in. And it was like, come on, man. It's like choreographed. It was it was set up. But, uh, by the way, Dallas now a fourth and seven, 221 to go, two-minute warning. They go down to the two-minute warning, two, uh, two minutes even to go now. Uh, 27-13 Cowboys will keep you abreast. We know, especially if you're here in Nevada or anywhere around the country now, you've got 30 states you can bet in uh, that you're keeping an eye on this. And, uh, again, the line, 13.5, it closed. It's at 14 right now, 27-13, to 13, and that total, 40.5, sitting at 40. So we're keeping an eye on that. Meanwhile, NBA, Celtics, 116-110, beat the Clippers, but minus 6.5. So if you had the clip joint, you get fortunate by the old hook, 228. Those are the ones that drive me nuts, 116-110, so the game stays under by two points. But, Jose, when I lose by a half a point, <laughs> I, I look, I, I'll, like – I know it's nuts, but I'll pay to buy a half point so that one way or the other, I lose by a point or I win the game or whatever, or I push. I just, I can't, it drives me nuts. And these, how many games you see throughout the year and some of the, you know, even obscure matchups, like you talk about college basketball, all of a sudden you have a non-conference game between, you know, IPFW and, uh, you know. Uh, Gardner Way. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and they're within like a point, yeah. a side end total. You know, it's just amazing how on these sports books are. They get ripped sometimes when they're off, but a lot of credit to a lot of the folks behind the scenes. Now, Arthur DeCesar, risk management over there at the Westgate Superbook, joins me on Wednesday nights. He's outstanding. He's on Corner Gay staff. Those guys, uh, uh, the staff that uh, Derek Stevens has over there at, at Circa, I mean, just phenomenal. Jeffrey Benson, I mean, those guys, they're just nonstop working because they can't afford for something to slip through the cracks. They do that. There's so many sharp players, and there's more players, right, than guys that you have on your staff. So your staff's got to be crackerjack staff. They got to be on top of stuff. So if you're out there, you're driving around, whether you're a ticket writer or you're in management as far as sports books, whether it's here in Nevada or around the country, you know what? Happy New Year to all of you because you know what? It's like kind of being a tax collector in the Bible. You know, nobody's going to give you any respect, but at the end of the day, it's a tough job, and you guys do a hell of a job. I mean. I've been in this game for a long, long time, and I enjoy it. But without good, solid people running it on the other end of the counter, we wouldn't have it. All right, Tennessee does get the ball back. They're on their own 27, a second and four, a minute 23 to go. Again, we're keeping an eye on that game, see if they could get that backdoor touchdown. Real quick, Grizzlies, 119-106. They win in Toronto. They were minus four and a half, 230. The total game stays under. How about the Knicks? Had that eight-game winning streak, now dropped five in a row, go to San Antonio. Knicks were minus four and a half. They lose it by seven, 122-115. Game flies over the total, 222. And the Mavs cool off the Rockets, 129-114, to minus 10 on the Mavs. They get the win there and the cover. 226 and a half game sales over hits 243, 129 to 114. Uh, association, you a Laker guy? You got yeah. the Dodger hat on, so I'm yeah, assuming you're a I'm, Laker I'm, guy. I'm a Laker guy. It's It's been tough, obviously, since the bubble season. You know what I mean? Asterisk, whatever you want to call it when they want it. But there's not much to be happy about when it comes to the Lakers. But I'm not one that's going to come out and just point fingers and blame and say it's LeBron, it's this, that. I think it's just the whole organization as a whole right now. I mean, you just got to start all over again. If I'm being honest with you, the biggest piece that needs to go first is Rob Palinka. I honestly do not feel that Rob Palinka is a general manager in this league. Can he be eventually? Yes, but he never had that. He was an agent before that. He knew players and how to get them paid, but didn't know how to bring in players to create a team fully. And I think that's been shown here in L.A. so far, but... 
NBA this year, man, has been interesting. We have the New Orleans Pelicans, number one overall seed so far in the West. You have a guy in Zion Williamson, which some people are saying is the front runner for the MVP right now. And you have guys that are complaining because he's running people over saying we're playing football instead of, you know, playing basketball games. But the NBA is finally turning a page. And what I mean by that, it's no longer about what's LeBron going to do this year. What are LeBron's teams going to do this year? It's more about parity and what the rest of the teams in the league can do. So I'm excited. Obviously, we're not at the midway point just yet. But it's going to be a very, very fun second half of the season, I believe. All right. So good stuff there. Little tidbits. NBA, one of Jose's strong suits as well. NHL, games going right now on the scoreboard. Three games are going. 4-3 Colorado leads the LA Kings 10-36 to go in the Mile High City. That's in the third period. Tied at three. Toronto at Arizona. How about you could have gotten the Coyotes at a plus 270 at home. 4-48 to go third period. That's where you look and you're like, ah, you know. I'd like to have that right now. Give me that side because you're in that plus money. All the sweating money it out. Toronto, too. Oh, Crazy. yeah, sweating it out. And a lot of folks, you know, laying the goal and a half. Don't want to lay the 290, so they lay the goal and a half. You're in a lot of trouble now. You need a goal. Still 448 to go third period. Keep an eye on that one. And after one, my good pal Mark Hoke, his Philadelphia Flyers, they're in San Jose at the Shark Tank, tied at one against the Sharks after the first period. Everything else final. Buffalo, 6-3. They double up on Detroit at home. Ottawa skates past Washington on the road. Nice effort by the Senators, 4-3. Tampa Bay at home doubled up on the Rangers by a 2-1 count. Florida, no mercy on Montreal. Bury the Habs, 7-2. Game sailing over that 6.5. Islanders, they get a 2-1 win at home against Columbus. Naturally, that game stayed under, as did St. Louis. Uh, the Blues winning 3-1 to one against the Blackhawks at home under the arch. Minnesota at home. They get beat by Dallas. So the uh, Wild, a slight favorite against the Stars. Stars come up big 4-1 to one, the final there. And Winnipeg at home in Manitoba. Skate past their uh, Canadian counterparts from, from British Columbia. Vancouver's Canucks 4-2 to two, the final. The Jets get the win there. So we'll keep an eye there. Look, lots of college basketball. You know it's wall-to-wall college basketball. These are games going right now. 49-48, San Fran leads Santa Clara. 15 minutes to go there, Bronco Jim. That's a good, solid matchup. Both those teams pretty solid out of the WCC. San Fran probably a little bit better on the road all the way around. Santa Clara always tough to beat at home. Cal Poly slow at Mott Jim. They lead 42-32 over Cal State Northridge. Laying five, the Mustangs up by 10, 10-58 to go second half. Utah up by seven, laying 10 at Cal in Berkeley, 38-31. 12-03 to go second half. Very low-scoring game. Total was 128.5. I doubt it gets there. 47 41 Long Beach State leading UC San Diego. They trailed this game by 12 early, but the beach now at the pyramid up by six. Dan Monson's boys laying nine. 1241 still to go in the beach. And uh, 1716 Colorado over Stanford early on Maples Pavilion, 1050 to go first half. Later on, UC Davis, the Aggies at Hawaii against the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, Hawaii favored minus six and a half, total 137 and a half. In overtime, Denver leads UMKC 68 67, 203 to go in that overtime. And everything else is final from earlier. And a lot of big games, big uh, route by Providence at Butler, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Friars plus three. They win it seventy two to fifty two. They were in control this whole game. Butler basketball is nothing like it was. Uh, you know, they've gone through some coaches, but that program has fallen way off and uh, just not going to be a player in the Big East this season, getting buried by Providence. Cooley's boys were ready for that road game and get the nice win. There were a couple other good games. I'll get to some of the scores throughout the night, but that is a look at the scoreboard, and it is a final. The Cowboys 27-13. to They have beaten Tennessee. Meanwhile, Washington Huskies, they just took it into the end zone on a first and goal, so 6.44 to go in the third quarter. Huskies back up 19-10 to against the uh, Texas Longhorns with an extra point yet to come. Jose, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and uh, you and I are going to talk 
some Derek Carr, some Raiders. I want to get your take. All the people that are coming on Andy Isco, I'll get his take as well. I'll have Mark Hoke weigh in as well. What about the Raiders? Where are they going? What's going on quarterback-wise? Have we seen the last of Derek Carr in a Raider uniform? Will he be on the sidelines on Sunday with a clipboard just uh, sending in the plays there to the backup quarterback that is now the starter for the next two games? Yes, he came over from New England. We'll talk about all of that when we come back. SportsX Radio coming at you. Monday through Friday, 8 to 10, right here, Odyssey. Keep it here. We're going to come back. We've got a great show in store for you. You miss any part of the show, archives up by 11 o'clock Pacific time. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Keep it right here. A little Aerosmith bringing us back on a throwback Thursday. Ken Thompson, live SportsX Radio, PSBR Law Studios. Jose Vellante is in studio. Andy Isco on the PSBR Law Hotline, hour number two. Mark Hoke running the show. Mark Hoke show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Professional wrestling at its finest Sunday mornings. Check that show out. Also, Preventative Diagnostic Center. You know all about it, Dr. John Pierce. He's my guy, man. I'm telling you, this guy helps prolong lives. Why? Because we have the only skinner of its kind in the region, gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Now you can check everything out at pdcenterlv.com, pdcenterlv.com. But more importantly, you can call, you can even call now, schedule that free educational consultation. Again, you got the 702 down for Vegas. 534 534-7900, 534-7900. Let them know KT SportsX Radio sent you. Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes, and then you get a detailed report back a few days later from a board-certified radiologist. Doesn't get much better than that to find out how your organs are doing. Look, you may have, you know, cancer starting up. You have no clue. All of a sudden, you know, you've got that information. You're able to combat it, prolong your life. Doesn't always work out. Sometimes it's not in the cards. Look. To have this scanner in the region, look, they don't have it in L.A. or Phoenix. They've got it here. Dr. John Pierce, UNLV Alumni of the Year in 2018. This is his baby, and he loves his staff and what they do, and they do a great job. And to get you in there to check it out, if you fall demographically between 40 and 72 years of age, get in there. Schedule that educational consultation, but then get in there, get the heart CT scan and calcium score. It's a $600 value, total $125. More importantly, significant other, absolutely free. So the two of you, $1,200 value, total $125. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534 Seven nine zero zero five three four seventy nine hundred. All right, Jose Volante. Derek Carr may have played his last game, according to my good pal Ed Graney, who uh, did the article. He's saying, you know, an era is over. You know, Carr's contract and his play this year helped make that decision. Now, there is a chance, I guess, you know, that maybe they're keeping him out the last two games. If he gets hurt in practice or got hurt in one of those last two games, the Raiders are on the hook for $33 million for next year, right? So if they're deciding, because, again, the, the contract extension he got only guaranteed this year, then they had kind of like that clause they can kind of look, eh, well, now nah, we're, we're going to go a different route, which may be the way they are going. But maybe they can renegotiate this whole thing. Who knows? Maybe they renegotiate. Carr says, yeah, I didn't play my best. Look, I'll do it next year for $20 million. I'll say this. Derek Carr, and people said, well, is he really a top 12 quarterback? I think in the right circumstances, Derek Carr would be a top 10 quarterback. I think what's gone on here in Vegas, what happened in Oakland for years, is that this team, this organization, 
has not had continuity. Now, is it Mark Davis's fault? Not all of it. When you look at what happened last year, he didn't know Henry Ruggs was going to get in a crazy car accident. Didn't know these emails were going to come out in the investigation of the Washington football team. And John Gruden was going to be implicated in some, you know, uh, stuff that, you know, didn't go over well with the NFL. And so John Gruden was out of a job. That was the guy that Mark Davis wanted running this organization. And uh, there was no question that he wanted that. He worked on it for a long time, finally got it there. But at the end of the day, things have not worked out well for the Raiders. Now, last year, they made it to the playoffs. Rich Bisaccia stepped in, did a phenomenal job. The Raiders closed with four straight wins to end the season, go from 6-7 and seven to 10-7, and seven, take the Cincinnati Bengals down to the final possession inside the 10-yard line on the road, a chance to win that game, came up a little bit short. So the optimism was big time. Here you're building, you know, potentially on a uh, team that may be able to take it a step further. What are you going to do to improve the team? Well, let's go out and grab Devontae Adams, Derek Carr's college roommate at Fresno State, and a great solid player with Aaron Rodgers for years in Green Bay. So you add that weapon. On top of that, you had Waller and Renfro coming off phenomenal years. You got Josh Jacobs. He's in a contract year. He's lived up to his billing. There's no question about it this year. But Renfro and Waller, they've missed a ton of games. So the Devontae Adams, all of a sudden he's doubled up all the time because you don't have Waller underneath or Renfro from the slot because these guys are not healthy and hadn't been. There's some dissension in the locker room, things like that, all these different things going on. Derek Carr has had, what, four or five different offensive coordinators in his nine years. Always in the second year, he seems to do much better. This is the first year with Josh McDaniels. It hasn't panned out. Josh McDaniels losing a lot of close games. And he said, look, it starts with the coach. So I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, you're giving up on a quarterback when you got the grace from the owner when everybody nationally is talking about the Raiders, what a joke they are, especially the game against the Cardinals when they lose that 20 to nothing game where, trust me, all the Cardinal fans were leaving at halftime. That's how dominant the Raiders were in the first half. I'll always remember it because it was my birthday. And I was there thinking, this game's in the bag. We're going to be one and one after two games. No, lose that game. And really, it's been an uphill climb since then. But Derek Carr, to me, may be the last of the scapegoats if he is indeed out here for the Raiders. And that's my personal opinion. Now, you're a young man. You've been watching the Raiders for a long time since you're a Vegas kid. Weigh in. And where are you if the Raiders make that move? The Stidham will start their last two games. But if the Raiders get rid of Carr for good and he's gone, where do they go? And who do you like in the draft? We'll get to all that stuff. But talk to me first. Your feelings on Derek Carr and the Raiders overall season, kind of put it in a in, in a nutshell for me. So, so people are going to say that I'm a Derek Carr apologist or I'm making excuses for him and everything. But at the end of the day, agree with me or not, he got done completely wrong by this organization that he's given everything he's got since he's been in the league, right? The craziest thing about it is people don't like to bring up stats because people say that stats screw up certain conversations. Well, stats like the ones that I'm about to give you don't screw up conversations when they are 100% factual. The one thing that I've uh, argued with people over and over again for the last five, six years, Derek Carr has never had a defense since he's been in the league. Points per game, Raiders ranks, okay? 32. Yards per game. Per play, 30th. Sacks, 32nd. Interceptions, 32nd. Rushing touchdowns, 31st. Passing touchdowns, 30th. Fourth down conversion, 31st. 
That is since 2014. That is what the Raiders' defensive ranks are. So, again, tell me if Derek Carr is a defensive player or if he's a quarterback. That's one. Now, I understand Derek also has had his fair share of mistakes and and, and O's and, and plays where you're like scratch your head and wondering, what is he doing, right? But this guy has been to the Pro Bowl. He's been, like you said, a few yards away from beating the Bengals last year. He's had MVP votes in his career given to him. Not only that, this is a guy that took a team that was in turmoil with a head coach that no one believed in because he was a special teams head or special teams coordinator, right? Not even a defensive coordinator, not even an offensive coordinator. But he put this team on his back as a leader should, and look what he did for them last year. I honestly believe that Derek Carr is not done, but he is done with the Raiders. I don't know anything. I don't have sources. I don't speak to people. But the one thing that Derek Carr has always said if I'm not with the Raiders, I'm with no one. I'm going to play for the Raiders, and that's it. It's Raiders or bust no matter what. I think that the way he got done is not right, and I think he knows that, and he probably feels that, and I think that he still has a lot left in the tank. The right situation for him right now would work if he finds one that he can squeeze into and become that quarterback because there's a lot of teams in this league that need a very good serviceable quarterback like Derek Carr. But I truly believe from the outside looking in, from the way everything happened, that – Everything that happened yesterday with him being benched is a smokescreen. Him, quote-unquote, stepping away from the team so he wouldn't be a, a distraction is a smokescreen. If you want my honest opinion, the Raiders are already going to cut Derek Carr. He is not going to be a Raider at the end of the season. I truly believe they tried trading him during the deadline but could not get rid of him because of his contract and, as some, quote-unquote, analysts said, his play at the time. But I truly believe that when it's all said and done, we have to ask ourselves this question, whether you want to agree with asking yourself this question or not. Is Mark Davis really a good NFL owner? We saw what he did on the WNBA side with the Aces, brought a championship here, created that team, paid Becky Hammond. We get all that. But what has he done for the Raiders since leaving Oakland, since bringing them here? I get it. That one playoff run. But look with everything that happened last year, right? I truly believe that. Josh McDaniels needs to go. He is not a head coach. He's been proven over and over again. He's a great coordinator, and he's a great coordinator under Bill Belichick. He can't be anywhere else. It's hard when you try to put the blame on just one individual, but this is the exact same team that you had last year make the playoffs, but KT just said it. You brought in Devontae Adams. Not only that, you brought in a guy in Chandler Jones on the defensive side, which I get it. He gets hurt, but you upped the roster, but yet you went completely backwards and did a moonwalk and forgot what it was to play in the NFL. I'm not one to fire coaches early or say that they shouldn't get more opportunities because I think coaches should, but I'm sorry. In this situation, clean house, get rid of McDaniels. I understand that that's Ziggler's buddy coming from you know New England and all that, but isn't it funny that the last two coaches that Derek Carr has had, they haven't really liked him. John Gruden wasn't a big fan of him, let's be real. McDaniels wasn't a big fan of him. And now the guy that he's bringing in to be the starter is the guy he liked and drafted in New England, which he also traded for to bring over. So at the end of the day, I think McDaniels is just playing favorites, trying to do what he wants and what he thinks is best. But I think he's lost everything with this locker room. I think he feels like he has a sense of entitlement because he is the coach, but he has done nothing to prove that he is the coach of this team. I think he's going to lose the locker room by benching Derek Carr. And I get the fact that it's also a business move. But at the end of the day, 
how much are you going to gain from it with the players in this locker room? I think you're going to lose them all, and it's going to be interesting to see the next two weeks. But Stidham's going to get a wake-up call this weekend because the Niners are going to show them what it's all about on defense, KT. There's no question. You do not want to start your career against the Niners defense as playing as well as anybody over the last 10 years in the NFL defensively when you got guys like Bosa and Armstead and just it's ridiculous. Warner, I mean, they just bring them all. Uh, it's, it's a big-time Big time defense. There's no question that this uh, this D is going to be able to pressure the Raiders and probably slow down Josh Jacobs. Look, right now, if I'm a Raider player, where's my head at? I'm Devontae Adams, my best friend, Derek Carr from college. I came over. I leave Aaron Rodgers. I had it pretty good over there. Made it to a couple consecutive NFC Championship games at Lambeau Field. Didn't work out. Didn't win either one of them. But at the end of the day, I know I'm going to be back there more than likely. But no, I'm going to go and give it a shot with the team I grew up rooting for uh, in the Raiders and uh, see how things pan out here in Vegas. So Devontae Adams, who's in a contract where I don't see either side being able to get out of it the way it's uh, constructed, uh, you know, is probably wondering right now, like, what's going on? And I'm sure, you know, he's talked with Derek and, you know, what I, again, it's, I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but with Ed Graney writing that, uh, what you just said, Derek Carr, you know, out an era over, it's a shame. I, I just think, look, things happen, a lot of turmoil like last year. You can't say that there's going to be, uh, you know, Gruden's going to be out. Henry Ruggs going to get in this uh, horrific crash and kill somebody. I mean, it, it's just all these different things. And somehow, some way, that team held it together. And Derek Carr was one of those guys that helped internally in the locker room. For those that don't know, Derek Carr's faith is first and foremost. I went and I've seen this guy at uh, different things. There was an altar call deal that they that they had a, a conference over at Thomas and Mac. Derek was the last speaker there. That's first and foremost. So he doesn't need football. Does he love football? Yes, he loves football. Is he passionate about the game? Is he passionate about being a Raider? Yes, big time. But he doesn't need it. Okay, his life is fulfilled without it with his faith, family. So he goes probably in that order. Faith, family, friends, football, the four Fs for Derek Carr. And that's the guy that I got to know. He's over there at the church, Las Vegas, Pastor Benny Perez, who ironically is the chaplain for the Raiders. I know that's got to be uh, tough goings on, but there's people that I know that are praying for Derek and his family because he does that for everybody else. He's there at a Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m., men's prayer vigil even on game day sometimes when he's in town. That's who Derek Carr is, off the field. On the field, look, can't explain some of the things that happen, some of the mistakes that he makes. He'll be the first to admit it. You know what? Don't understand. Don't know why I threw that pass there, didn't see that guy, whatever. Things happen. But to me, this team, if you're giving McDaniels and Ziegler one more year, because they constructed this, if you're giving them another year and you're saying no pressure there, Rome wasn't built in a day, how can you give up on Derek Carr first year under somebody else that's had a system that basically was successful, built around Tom Brady in his heyday with an offensive line that was pretty solid, had a lot of cohesiveness and, uh, and chemistry throughout years, making a replacement here, a replacement there, but pretty solid. The Raiders trying to just build any type of offensive line outside of Colton Miller, just trying to build any type of cohesiveness and have had some trouble, but have had some success as well. So I would have given it another, uh, another year and just see, I know it would have been tough, but 
to me, I would have won it one more year for everybody there because Derek Carr has not had Hunter Renfro. He has not had Darren Waller. Yes, he's had Devontae Adams. But if you don't have those two guys playing like they played last year, then you don't have to worry about uh, Foster Morrow. Foster's going to come up with a few catches, but you're doubling up on Adams. As good as Devontae is, you're getting doubled up all the time. It's not easy. We'll talk more about it. We'll keep it right here. We'll keep it rolling. SportsX Radio on a throwback Thursday. We'll get Andy Isco's opinion. We're going to throw a lot of the NFL games around, some big games coming up. Again, 27-13, Dallas has knocked off Tennessee. Get you a little bit on the uh, fantasy stats just in case. Prescott, pretty good night, 282, two touchdowns, but did have two interceptions and lost a fumble as well. So it just depends how your league scores, uh, whether or not that was a pro or a con for you. Dobbs, quarterback for Tennessee, threw for 232 and a touchdown interception as well. And, uh, you know, not an easy night, but 27-13, your final Dallas over Tennessee. It is uh, still one bowl game going with Washington and Texas. We'll keep you updated on that game. It is 20, I believe, still 20-10 to 10 is our score, yes, with 46 seconds left in the third quarter. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. Keep it right here. You're listening to SportsX Radio live from Vegas. KT on a throwback Thursday. Jose Volante in studio. Mark Koch running the show. Andy Isco, hour number two. Jose and I talking off air a little bit. You know, I'm looking. I'm saying, okay, so grass is always greener, right? So Raiders say they give up on Derek Carr. Who's your guy? Okay, so we'll see what Stidham has the next two weeks. Not fair, really. I mean, putting him in there against San Francisco, his first game, you know, nice kid. I hope he survives. But he's, you know, been somebody that's been under the tutelage of McDaniels you know, for several years, he was there back up in New England for a while. And I'm just, you know, to me, if Jared Stidham was a starting quarterback in the NFL, he would have had his opportunity. Well, he'll get his opportunity the next two weeks. I know against San Francisco and Kansas City, good chance KC needs that last game, still playing for best record in the AFC. And a lot depends on what happens Monday night with Buffalo at Cincinnati to whether or not the Chiefs are going to have a shot to win that number one overall seed. But, you know, is it C.J. Stroud from Ohio State? Is it Bryce Young from Alabama? Are these guys, Will Levis, a lot of talk about him as uh, we'll get ready. We'll see these guys in combines and workouts and whatnot. And, you know, they'll be the college experts and the draft experts and Kuyper and McShay and all these guys will weigh in. Brad Powers, Joe Lisi, I trust those guys a little bit more. Those guys are my guys, and uh, they do a heck of a job as far as evaluating college talent. Uh, But I'm not sold that anybody that's out there now is going to be able to step in or would have been able to step in this season and led this Raider team to the postseason without the services of Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I I just think it's too much pressure on three positions on Devontae Adams, on Derek Carr, and on Josh Jacobs. And Jacobs has delivered again big time, but he's been overused. He's been overused so much that it's predictable. And the Raider offense, sorry to say it, Coach McDaniels, the Raider offense is boring as hell. When do you ever have anybody in motion? I watch Shanahan in San Francisco. When it's a third and one, and I know McCaffrey's getting the ball, or I think McCaffrey's getting the ball. I still have, and right now he's hurt, but Debo Samuel or Ayuk or somebody's in motion, something to create some type of, I don't know, deflection. Something's going to happen. I, something else for the linebacker to think about before they all come up in the box and go, God, I know Josh Jacobs getting it on third and one. 
Even if his fingers are bandaged together, he's still getting it third and one. Jose, to me, there's not enough innovation in this offense. I know there's some trick gadget plays here and there. I get it. You're shorthanded when you're missing some skill position players. But that's why the full roster that you put together this year, you get some continuity on the offensive line. You try to improve the defense to keep you in games. Chandler Jones, we never knew the guy was on the field the first nine games. We went out to get him for his pass rush to help out Max Crosby. Max delivered. Where was Chandler? Okay, so he stepped up with the 1-3 sack game and the one interception uh, on the lateral against New England, took it to the house. But where was that guy all year? And now he's out for the next two games as well. So we didn't get what we bargained for as far as Chandler Jones. We made some moves that looked good on paper. They didn't pan out. But you have to run the show back to me one more time is what I would have done if I were the owner. You have to run it back and bring Derek Carr back. I mean, there is no doubt about it. But obviously, we're not going to do that. And when it comes down to it, injuries are injuries. They're going to happen, right? At the end of the day, it's how you coach. Good coaches win with great players. Great coaches win with any type of players. There's a difference. And that's the thing about Josh McDaniels. He is not a great coach. He's not even a good coach. He's a good coordinator. That's pretty much all he is. If he knew how to coach, he'd figure out the talent that he has on this roster and try to do something with it. Try to work with it with Derek Carr, but he never did that. There's been other players that have said it. Brady Quinn, Kyle Orton, that were in these type of offenses with McDaniels when he was in Denver. And first year is always tough. But it is an offense that eventually can be worked around. That's why I don't understand why McDaniels would go away from Derek Carr without the first part of the season being over. I honestly feel that even if Tom Brady was here or Aaron Rodgers, I don't think either of those guys would come in here and win this year either because of everything else going on with the coaching situation as well. So when it comes to the college ranks and, and kids coming out, who are you going to go after? Are you going to go after another Fresno State guy? Are you going to go after Jake Hayner? Are you going to go after the guy from Tennessee? Are we going to go after Bryce Young? Like, What is it really that we're going to look for? Because at the end of the day, not one of those kids that comes in tomorrow or next year is going to do any better than what Derek Carr did this year. Let's be honest. And what did I say to you in the uh, when we were on commercial? I said, okay, so Kyle Shanahan, I talk about him having a great yes. innovative uh-huh. offensive mind, right? And what do you see? You always see moving parts. You know, somebody's in motion, this and that. But you would think that he is... Somebody that's a great evaluator of talent coming up, especially at the quarterback position, right? Yep. Well, Trey Lance, no offense to Mark Hoke, he's a graduate of North Dakota State, but Trey Lance is not an NFL quarterback, or at least not yet. And you're going to waste, waste three first-round picks (laughs) on Trey Lance. Three first-round, are you freaking kidding me? It's the biggest joke, but Shanahan got away with it. Why? Because he was able to regroup and be innovative enough that even with guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and now Brock Purdy, that he's able to win. Why? Because he's got a defense, okay? It's the best defense in the NFL. But you cannot just blame everything on the offense. If you had the defense fixed to where Chandler Jones came in and did his job and, and the Raiders you know, caused a ton of turnovers, had a bunch of sacks, and then the offense, offense regressed like it has with – Waller and Renfro both playing most of the games, then I get it. Then Carr, get him out. But that's not the case. And so to me, you're getting rid of somebody. The grass is greener. And I just want to know, where are you at? Who are you looking at to replace? You're looking at Jimmy G? You're looking bringing in 47-year-old Tom Brady by the time (laughs) next year comes around? Because let me tell you, Brady's a great guy. And yeah, in his heyday, he made Josh McDaniels. He made Josh look great as an offensive coordinator. Because Brady got rid of the ball faster than anybody. And he also had guys like Gronk and Mm -hmm. Edelman and great players. Uh, The other, Welker, Wes Welker, guys Mm -hmm. like that. You know, and then running backs by committee. Right, that's why I said Edelman, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean... 
but you also had cohesiveness on the offensive line. Year in, year out, those New England Patriots pretty much, maybe there was one guy that stepped away. Mm-hmm. You know, remember Mankins was there forever. I mean, all these guys were there, and they played together. And offensive line, it's tough to do that in the, name, in, in the day of free agency because anytime a guy's underpaid and he realizes, hey, I could get another you know, three, four million a year to go with this team, I'm going to go there. So it's hard to keep the guys, and who can blame them? I get it. But that's why New England was so good back in the day. Their protection for Brady, his little clock in his head that said, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. Nobody better, ever. And I've watched football for better than four decades. Never anybody better getting rid of the ball right before he's about to get hit or fumble, somebody coming in with a strip sack, whatever it is, and Brady got rid of it. Incredible in all the years, 20-plus years of playing, don't remember the guy ever really getting blindsided yeah. to where he just collapsed. Now, he did get uh, hit that pretty knee. good in the, in the yeah. tuck rule game uh, there by my man Charles Woodson and, <laughs> and caused a fumble, not a tuck rule, but it is, it is what it is. But uh, 27-10, by the way, Washington over Texas, 13-01 to go fourth quarter, which is good for KT. I got the Huskies in that one. The one thing real quick that I wanted to give you a comparison to, because you talked about Shanahan and we're talking about McDaniels real quick, is the fact that McDaniels is not a great person that can evaluate talent. He's a great evaluator of plays, of reading plays, of reading defenses, doing that to do the offensive plays as an offensive coordinator. As where Shanahan is a great evaluator of talent. He's had three different starting quarterbacks this year, already won the division, and they're one of the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl in the NFC. So that just shows you the difference in style of coaching right there. There you go. All right, Jose Vellante is with me. Hour number two, Andy Isco will join us. Jose, throw out your Twitter handle as well. Yeah, if you check me out, I'm on Twitter at Jose underscore Volante. That's V as in Victor, O-L-O-N-T-E. And also at Straight Bet Sports with an eight on the straight. And you can find us there. There you go. Great stuff. And all that social media, you're on top of all that stuff. <laughs> Love the young guys, man. They come in. They know all that stuff. They're like, here, here, old man, just give me your phone. Uh, I'll, I'll fix that for <laughs> I'll you. I'll take care of it. Right? I, yeah. I love it, man. And I got to give Mark. Now, Mark Hoke's younger than me, but he's still, he's on top of all that stuff, social media-wise. And uh, Steve Sanchez, well, he got his son, Nate, uh, does a pretty good job for him. Uh, but it's all about the social media and and uh, having all those different people following you from around the, the country. And uh you do a great job internationally as well. We get a lot of international folks following SportsX Radio. Archives, by the way, are up nice. by 11 o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday, uh, all different routes. And if you follow at Ken Thompson 87, no P and Thompson, at Ken Thompson 87, at SportsX Radio, they'll be tweeted right to you. You'll be able to go right there and listen to the archive. But uh, lots of good things coming up. Look, New Year's Eve coming up Saturday. Be safe, especially if you're here in Vegas. Be safe. Get your rides all planned out. Everything's set up. Uh, no alcohol poisoning. Trust me, it can happen, especially if you're going to do you know, the Red Bull and vodka and do about 30 of them. You're going to be in trouble, okay? <laughs> uh, you're going to need about you know 60 gallons of water the next day. So take it from a guy that learned the hard way, KT. He's a veteran of Vegas, 23 years. Jose, he's a veteran. Mark Hoke, he's a veteran. We've all done it. We're not amateurs. We don't go to the Strip. We appreciate the Strip, but we don't go there on New Year's Eve. But we do advise you to do it at least once if you haven't done it. All right, hour number one in the book, SportsX Radio. We rock and roll. We're going to get through the NFL games. I'm going to get opinions from Jose and Andy. Also, big bowl games coming up Saturday. Got the two playoff games. Got some games tomorrow. Get their opinions there as well. We'll get Andy to weigh in on the Derek Carr situation. We are SportsX Radio. We are live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. Keep it right here. Hour number two coming right up. Well, 
Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT is back. Live Sports X Radio rocking and rolling here on an hour number two on a throwback Thursday. And uh, Jose Volante in studio, Mark Hoke running the show, and Andy Isco joins us on the PSBRlaw.com hotline. Uh, Andy Isco, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at VegasAndy711, at VegasAndy711. AI, great to have you, and want to introduce you to Jose Volante. Jose has been on the show a couple times, but I don't, th- I don't think has ever crossed your paths and got you both here on a throwback Thursday. Uh, Ken and uh, Jose, good evening. And uh, I caught the first hour. I was very impressed with, uh, with actually with both of you, uh, which I think surprised me more about you than Jose. Jose really sounded great. But uh, you had a lot of really good comments about uh, uh, the Raiders, and uh, I know you wanted to get some thoughts. So I'll just briefly say I think Jose hit it really clearly when he mentioned the defense. Remember, this team had five double-digit leads this season. All they needed to do, you know, if they won three of those five with two possession leads, or three possession leads in the case of the 17 point leads, they're nine and six instead of six and nine. And what disturbed me most about the Raiders, I don't blame Derek Carr all that much. He takes some of the blame because he's a player and he's got to make the plays. I thought the play calling was terrible throughout the season, especially when they were looking to protect leads and they didn't use some of the players that they had that had they had had success with in gaining those double digit leads. Yeah, not only that, I, and I'm going to jump on it here. The game against the Rams is inexcusable. When you have no Aaron Donald, you have nobody, basically. I mean, and Baker Mayfield literally gets the playbook, what, 24, 36 hours maybe before, flies out, gets in a game, and beats you. And I thought the second half, the play calling on offense, was the worst I've seen in Raider football the last five years. I mean, absolutely I atrocious. They had the intent, the lead, the intent. Now, I had Pittsburgh last night, I, last week. I think we talked about it. But nonetheless, you have the lead, and all your defense has to do is stop a rookie quarterback from going down the field. Playing not to lose. 
Exactly. Cost you, cost you more well, that, games. Yeah. Well, that was even on offense they were conservative, but that was going to be that kind of game. That's Pittsburgh, but I mean the defense has to step up, and I think that and that's been a recurring. And, and Jose gave us the numbers, but if you take a look at the last few years. The question going into every season was: first of all, they got a great start in those in a, in a few of those seasons, and uh, then they uh, faded late because of the defense. But I think the problems this year stem back to the end of last season when Rich Bisaccia did not get the whole co- head coaching job. He's been a longtime assistant, special teams coach. He gets an opportunity to lead a team that had all sorts of turmoil with the John Gruden situation, the Henry Rugg situation. Gets him into the playoffs. You mentioned they took Cincinnati to the wire. I don't understand why he did not get the job that he earned based upon taking a team that had so much going on and got him into the playoffs. I agree. Six and seven, you go ten and seven, and you take the team that ends up going to the Super Bowl, you take them right there to the wire on their home field. I agree a thousand percent. And then, Andy, on top of that, when you make the moves that the Raiders did during the offseason, right? You're not expecting to regress at all. If, if players stay healthy and you bring in a guy like Devontae Adams – based on what he's done in his career with Green Bay. You bring in a Chandler Jones, a guy, you know, the last two years really has come on like gangbusters. I mean, especially last year with Arizona. So you're thinking, my gosh, that's it. Max Crosby, yeah, he needs some help because what do the Raiders always weaken? What two departments on defense? Takeaways and sacks, always near the bottom. And to get Chandler Jones, you're figuring, okay, those two right there, that's going to demand double teams here and there, and the Raiders are going to be able to, you know, get some pressure on them. Look, Max Crosby, 11 and a half sacks, still doing his job. Four and a half sacks for Chandler Jones on the year. Again, three in one game, non-existent really in the first, you know, nine games of the year as far as statistically. But when you look back at some of the losses, and again, I go back to September 18th, the game against the Cardinals, 20 to nothing. And that game is over. I mean, it's so one-sided at halftime that all you have to do really is put up one score in the third quarter, one touchdown, and, and, and they're ready to drive back to Arizona. Their fans, a lot of them left at halftime. They knew, they're like, this game's over. And I encouraged my two brother-in-laws who drove up from Phoenix to both stay. Come on, guys. Just stay. It's my birthday. Come on, man. I'll buy you guys a drink. Don't worry about it. You know what? Hey, it's it happens, man. Don't worry about it. You know, we're, we're supposed to win this game. It's my birthday. And then stood there and had to hear them as they said, hey, thanks for the drink and thanks for the win. Way to melt down. And that's exactly what it was. It was a meltdown. And I watched Murphy pick that fumble up and run it in right literally rows in front of me down on the field. I had great seats and I was just going like, Man, how does this happen? I'll never forget that game as long as I live, and this whole season has just turned into a tumultuous season that has just not gotten better. You thought maybe there was a chance as the Raiders would win a game here and there and creep back into, all right, they're mathematically alive, they, they still have a shot. Yeah, they're still mathematically alive. Yeah, if everybody else loses and they win by a certain amount of points, all these different things happen, who cares? Eight and nine, I don't even want to go to the playoffs. I'm sorry, that's me. A team under 500, and I know right now Tampa Bay Bucks, they can win their division right now. They're the only team sitting in a postseason position with a record under 500. I think there should be a rule that yeah, you, you that don't make the, it. Uh... 
AFC South as well. Jacksonville and well, Tennessee, I think, is now what six and seven and eight, seven and eight, seven and eight, seven and nine. I'm sorry, seven and nine, seven and nine. And the Jags, who are tied, are seven and eight. And of course, they get to play uh, one of the the, the, the what, what until last week was the only game that uh, they had won when they lost to the Texans as a seven point favorite back in uh, I want to say either late December, early October, late September, early October. There you go. All right, so real quick, because I'm going to go through the NFL games and also some of the good college playoff games, uh, the two college playoff games and some of the college bowl games coming up with both you gentlemen. Uh, But I do want to just update real quick. 73-73, UC San Diego and Long Beach State, 444 into overtime. Stanford leads Colorado. Nice effort there. Early second half, Maples Pavilion, 39-33. Utah won and covered in Berkeley against Cal, uh, 58-43. And uh, Cal Poly slowed the win at home at Mott Gym by 10 over Cal State Northridge, 67-57. And then Santa Clara pulled away from San Francisco. Nice effort by the Broncos down the stretch. Beat the Dons by 12, 79-67, laying three in that game at Bronco Gym. UC Santa Barbara beat Cal State Fullerton, 66-58. Cincinnati, 11, point better, 11 points better than Tulane, minus five. Bearcats win at 88-77. Those are just some of the scores as far as college basketball. I'll duck some others in. Uh, BYU did beat Pacific by 20, 69-49. I do miss them out of the Mountain West was always fun during basketball season and football season and uh, Grand Canyon I'll throw the score out there for my buddy Dave Danini he's got friends on both coaching staffs Grand Canyon beat Cal Baptist 73 to 59 down there in Phoenix Ken Thompson Jose Vellante Andy Isco as we roll on through AI let me uh, let me go through uh, some of these big uh, bowl games that are coming up with you and Jose. And uh, we've got the one game still going 27-17. Washington up 6.38 to go. Michael Penix Jr. has been really nice for Washington and just gets a big first down into Texas territory as they try to close that game out. Uh, games from earlier today. Syracuse put up a fight there in the second half there at the uh, Pinstripe Bowl and came up short. Lost that game to Minnesota 28-20. And then Florida State, a very entertaining game. And i got to give uh, Coach Venables a lot of credit because he had Oklahoma ready for that one. 35-32, the Knowles win, but Oklahoma backers get the money. Again, 27-17, 6-10 to go. Washington leads Texas. They were plus 3, 3.5, total 67, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as it winds on down. But we've got four, five games tomorrow. Five games tomorrow. Maryland, NC State, AI, that's an early one, 9 a.m. out here in Vegas. It'll start. It's uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Did you do anything with that game? Because North Carolina State's been a weird team, losing their quarterback, and, and then the second string quarterback. So it's been tough to, uh, you know, bet that team. And then if you go against them, their defense will rise to the occasion, maybe come up with a good effort. Loxley did a pretty nice job with Maryland during the year, and Talia Tungavailoa did a nice job as well to his brother. Your take on that one, NC State was minus one uh, against Maryland in that game. Didn't do anything with it with the attractive card for the rest of the day and the weekend. That was one game I really had uh, not much interest in because I couldn't find any reasons, any solid reasons to back either team. Jose, anything on that one? Nothing whatsoever. I'm with Andy on this one. I'm just staying away and watching the rest of the games throughout the day. Okay, Pittsburgh, UCLA, Sun Bowl, UCLA right now, minus eight, total of 54. We know Slova's not going to play for Pitt. Uh, Wasn't sure on DTR uh, there as far as for UCLA, but the Bruins pretty good favorites in that game. AI, I have UCLA, and I have the under in that game. I bet the under early when I uh, got word that Slova's probably wasn't going to go. 
Uh, yeah, a little concerned only there because Pittsburgh's missing a lot of folks on defense, missing a lot of guys on both sides. I uh, I played the UCLA. I think uh, what, about a week or week or week and a half or so at uh, minus five and a half, and went up to about minus six, and then we had the late move over the past uh, day or so uh, when it appeared uh, uh, pretty sure that. Uh, uh, Robinson is going to uh, quarterback for uh, UCLA. So uh, I like the Bruins in the game. No no strong opinion on the total. Jose? I'm with Andy. Hit the nail on the coffin. Too many guys out for Pitt. All the money movement and line movement is where it should be. Give me UCLA minus the eight, seven and a half, whatever you got. Notre Dame minus three, total of 50. This game's the Gator Bowl, Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm a Spencer Rattler fan, as you know, Andy Isco. He made me good money against Clemson and Tennessee. Money line on both those suckers. I think they're going to beat Notre Dame as well. That's just my personal. I'm on South Carolina. Where are you, AI? Also on South Carolina, I started to see earlier today some three-and-a-halves out there uh, for Notre Dame laying, so uh, you can get a little bit more than a field goal, I think. Uh, uh, not quite sure. I think that's a midday game tomorrow uh, if South Carolina, and uh, if you want Notre Dame, maybe you ought to get out there now and lay the three. Uh, I also like Rattler, the quarterback. Of course, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the Notre Dame quarterback is off to Arizona State. Uh, First-year coach Freeman's had a fine job, a couple of inexplicable losses to Marshall and uh, Stanford, but that was way back then. They played really well. Remember, they gave Ohio State a tussle leading into the third quarter of that opening game of the uh, of the season, but I like the way the South Carolina team has taken shape. Uh, hard to ignore what they did to Tennessee in that uh, 68-38 uh, uh, route that I don't even think was that close. South Carolina, much a better team playing in, in that game, at least, and playing in the SEC, so uh, I'm on South Carolina plus the points, and we'll have a little bit of money line on that uh, that one as well. Jose? Got nothing on the side, but I do like the total. Both teams averaging scoring 30-plus points and giving up over 20 points per game as well. Notre Dame's last six games gone over to end the season. Give me the over 50 and a half. All right, and then we've got Wyoming and Ohio U. I didn't touch this game. Ohio U's minus two and a half, 41 and a half. That's down in Tucson, Andy. Yeah, I didn't do much of it. I liked uh, a lot of what I saw out of Wyoming this year, and of course uh, Iowa without uh, Ohio rather without their quarterback only put up seven points. Although the defense played well, they held Toledo to seventeen in the MAC championship game. Uh, again, it's a game that I pretty much rated as a toss-up. Couldn't find any edge. I, I can say that uh, the Mountain West has been an overall better conference uh, than the MAC has been. So maybe on that thought, I would take a look at Wyoming, but not enough to really make a, a play with any conviction. Yeah, if Curtis Work was going, you're right 11 games he threw for over 3200 yards 25 touchdowns four interceptions cj harris stepping in not near the same talent jose did you do anything with that one yeah i actually took ohio ohio's nine and four on the year but they're also nine and four ats i think they're the better team coming in lines fairly low a lot of money on ohio which normally scares me over 70 percent ats and money line but i still like ohio at the minus two all right and then we've got clemson and tennessee this should be a fun one orange bowl in miami clemson minus six ai uh, again, DJ Uyangalele is gone, and uh, Cade Klubnik stepping in. Was 31 for 46 in limited action, couple touchdowns, threw for 377. They like him a lot. Uh, running game, pretty solid. I like Shipley a lot. And then uh, the kid Maffa, uh, young sophomore, pretty good as well. Uh, your take on this one, AI, did you do anything with Clemson, Tennessee? 
uh, took the points early with uh, uh, with Tennessee when it uh, when it first came out. I I've liked this team even when they lost Hooker. They played uh, well down the stretch. I mean, okay, it's it's Vanderbilt that they put fifty something up on, but you know Vanderbilt's a team that ended up beating Kentucky this year, and uh, uh, not that that counts for all that much, but Kentucky at least is a uh, solid defense, and my and Vanderbilt was able to beat them. So maybe there's a little something there. But I wonder how enthused Clemson is going into this game. You mentioned uh, uh, the quarterback departure. That can't be a positive for a team that's used to playing in bigger bowl games than the one they're playing in uh, tomorrow. All right, Jose, anything on that Clemson, Tennessee? Too much money on Tennessee. I honestly have no live play, but I will be watching this game and doing a live in-game wager. I think it has a lot of value for that for sure. There you go. That is the great thing, and you don't always have to get involved in the games prior to uh, kickoff. In fact, you make a good point, Jose. I've gotten involved a lot of the games as far as in-game. So uh, whether you're doing it recreationally or you're doing it to seriously make money, it's good to have outs, as they call them, different accounts set up. You can have different lines, but also if you're inside the state of Nevada, you're able to get down on these games right there from the comfort of your own phone, your own computer, whatever it is you're watching, and the lines will change uh, based as the game's going, side and total. So that could be the way to get involved. Well, in my what- favorite situation is for my team to be up comfortably uh, if I'm playing the favorite, for example, and then uh, lay a few points with the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, with the underdog to be up, and then lay a few points with the favorite in the second half, or even if they cover the second half, they may do so without winning the game. There you go. And you always try and set yourself up a middle if you can, with uh, which is what I do. If I can uh, get a lead with the points and, and see that the other team's not down and out, there's nothing catastrophic that's happened, an injury that's going to take a certain player out of their offense or defense and maybe come back and try and get myself the best possible middle that I can just based on how that game's going. Give yourself a chance to win both ways, not a chance, uh, in heck, that you're going to ever lose both ways. Uh, You could end up losing some juice here and there uh, on certain games. If you want to get off a game, you also have that opportunity. Sometimes you can see the team that you may have played prior to kickoff is not the same team on the field that particular night, and you may want to get off them, so it's good to pay attention to those games. On uh, I had a situation like that today almost occur. It was in the Minnesota-Syracuse game, which I had played under the total. It had gone up to, I think, 44-and-a-half, and I was ready to play over in the second half. The score was 14 nothing, and Syracuse, Syracuse comes back and scores in the final 10 seconds to make it 14-7, 21 points. That's almost half of the total, so I didn't get an opportunity. I was eight seconds away from being in a position to make what I thought would have been a good middle. There you go. Yeah, always tough when Every now and then there's going to be some of that uh, tough luck and uh, you just you're not in control. You can't do it. There's nothing you can do about it. All right. So, by the way, exercise control, because I might have said I'm ready to play the second half. And, oh, okay, they scored a touchdown, so I won't get as good a number as I did. Well, you've got to set your your parameters as to when you're going to play. And sometimes it means as much as you might be looking forward to making an in-game play at a certain point, if there's a development there that causes the number that you want or, you know, racing around that number. Back off. There'll be other opportunities, if not in that game, in other games. Yeah, Iowa and Kentucky, that'll start us off on Saturday on New Year's Eve day early, 9 a.m. start. That is the Music City Bowl from Nashville. Look at the total in this game, 31. Iowa minus 2.5, total of 31. Look, both quarterbacks are out. Levis not going to play. And then uh, actually both quarterbacks for Iowa, Petrus and then Patia uh, transferring. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of running the ball, defense, both teams, blue-collar defenses anyway. Uh, I didn't touch the game, Andy. This may be one I look to get involved in game, but, you know, this could be one of those games that's 3 nothing at the half. 
actually a rematch of the game from last year uh, when uh, the Kentucky won 20-17, to but Iowa had the better stats in the game. And you mentioned about both quarterbacks being out for Iowa. That may be a positive because whoever is that uh, third stringer who's going to start can't do any worse than what the uh, other two had did uh, had done throughout the uh, course of the season. Uh, you know, I'm tempted to play over the game, over the total, simply because 31 is such a low total. Both teams are strong defensively and weak offensively, but some of those uh, and some of those defensive numbers came against similarly weak offensive teams. So now they're going up against what probably each may be facing the weakest offense that they will have faced all year. So that keeps me from playing the over, and there's no way I can play the under. Yeah, Jose. Even though 31, you look at Kentucky, eight straight unders. I just think that the fact that the quarterbacks are out, there's way too many people that are going to be on the under when it comes to the total. I like actually Kentucky in this game. I'm looking at this line opens at Iowa minus two and a half. I'm looking at 70% ATS, 75% on the money line coming in on Iowa, but yet the line does not budge whatsoever. Obviously, it depends on how much sharp or big money is coming in on this game for sure. But I actually like Kentucky and the over in this game. All right, good stuff there. All right, so we are going to – We'll, we'll take a break, and uh, we'll come back. We'll go over Kansas State, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, TCU, Michigan. Of course, the latter uh, two will be playoff games. The Ohio State-Georgia game will be the Mercedes-Benz day, uh, Stadium over there in Atlanta. And, of course, right there in Phoenix, the Fiesta Bowl, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, TCU in Michigan. I went to that game a few years ago with Clemson and Ohio State, and uh, my good buddy Chuck is going to be there. And then January 2nd, We've got games. We've got Mississippi State, of course, the passing of Mike Leach. Mississippi State now a a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Illinois, and Brett Bielema getting the contract extension there for the Illini. Best defense maybe in the country. Tulane, USC, that's the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Will, our Heisman Trophy player, will he be in the game? USC right now a two-point favorite. And Purdue and LSU, that'll be the Citrus Bowl. And then we close things out with the granddaddy of them all, Utah and Penn State. And, oh, let's not forget, January 8th, We've got South Dakota State now minus four everywhere against North Dakota State. KT laid three and also took the Jackrabbits on the money line, only really to get under the skin of his producer, Mark Hoke, who is a graduate (laughs) of North Dakota State and the Bison. And he's still telling myself and Thomas Viola, you wait for Trey Lance. He'll show that he was worth three first-round picks. So we'll wait. And we'll wait. But in the meantime, we'll take a break. SportsX Radio, hour number two, rocking and rolling live from Vegas. We'll be right back. We are back on a throwback Thursday. If you recognize that song, that little uh, band right there, that, that is the fight song of North Dakota State Bison. So you won't be hearing that much January 8th when they play in Frisco, Texas against South Dakota State because that Jackrabbit band will just be loud and obnoxious because the Jacks will finally have beaten their arch nemesis, North Dakota State, in a meaningful championship game. And that score is going to be somewhere between, I'd say, 10 and 17 points is what KT's predicting. Uh, I know. And, uh, oh, Mark says North Dakota State by one, if I'm reading his sign language correctly. All right, Andy Isco. By the way, I didn't know if you even got into FCS football but North Dakota State, I just love, uh, you know, messing with Mark. But I know what a powerhouse North Dakota State has been for years and years and years, even back when he went to school. And uh, taking on South Dakota State, their arch rival, who they lost to this year at home by two points, 
on a neutral field should be a lot of fun. The night before the national championship, FBS, we get this game, the FCS national championship. AI, do you pay attention at all? Well, let me put it this way. I know that uh, South Dakota State won that game 23-21 as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And, in fact, their only loss of the year was as ten-and-a-half-point underdogs in that ugly 7-3 game to open the season at uh, at Iowa. So this is a, a solid team. You do have North, uh, North Dakota State playing with revenge and getting points here. Haven't made any play on it yet. I want to take a closer look at the game. Of course, uh, North Dakota State only had two losses, the one that we just mentioned at South Dakota against South Dakota State, but they also lost to a decent Arizona team that was still sort of starting to find it. So I still a step up in class, and they, uh, uh, they lost that one close. All right, my favorite number 33 comes up with a nice little recovery on an onside kick. Texas had kicked a field goal to make it 27-20, to 20, and then they just kicked the onside kick. Pretty good one, uh, but didn't get that high hop they were looking for, and Washington recovers. Now, Texas still has two timeouts, a minute 39 left in regulation. Huskies 27, Longhorns 20 as they wind they on down. down. Return team. There you go. That's right. Got to have that uh, uh, the good hands team, and uh, got to be – Aggressive can't just sit back and wait for that onside kick. Itchy woo woo will come into play. There you go. Yeah, yeah. We've seen some of those. Uh, some have worked out for me. Some have worked out against me. All right. So we left off in college football uh, after Iowa and Kentucky and uh, Alabama and Kansas State is the other game that's not a playoff game on Saturday. And this is going to be one heck of a game, I think. And I like that Bryce Young is playing. Will Anderson Jr. is playing. Uh, so Bama's playing a lot of their guys. Kansas State, we saw them in the Big 12 championship game. They, I mean, this is a fun team and a very disciplined team and a team that's got a great running game. Deuce Vaughn, outstanding, uh, you know, solid quarterback play and may have an opportunity to have two quarterbacks get in there. Andy, what about this game? I took Alabama. I laid the points. I just figured, you know what, if these guys that are going to the NFL are going to put it out there, they're not just getting in there to play. They're going to play as hard as they can. And so this is the Sugar Bowl at the Superdome in New Orleans. But I think Bama is good enough to win by a touchdown. I have so much respect uh, for Cleman and Kansas State and, and just what, what he's done there uh, coming over from North Dakota State to build that Kansas State program back up and a very respectful program and you know able to get the overtime victory against TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Your take on this one with Bama right now at the Westgate Superbook, minus 6.5, total of 56.5. I think this is an excellent game to wait and make an in-play wager. Uh, I was – I was going back and forth in this one. I liked Kansas State early. Then I took a look at Alabama, and I realized they've got the better talent, and most of that talent is going to come and play. And we saw the line shoot up to uh, six and a half, and it may have a little bit higher. Kansas State has found a way to be uh, very competitive uh, uh, of all year, but they've also uh, been in situations where they haven't looked that good in the first half. So I want to see how they match up with Alabama. I wouldn't mind if we see Kansas State hang in there, and let's say uh, Alabama's up something like maybe I don't know, 14-7, 14-10 at halftime, maybe then I'll take a shot with Kansas State, or maybe I'll even wait and see if Alabama has to punt it all in the first half and maybe take a shot at them before halftime. All right, what about it, Jose? Andy took the words out of my mouth in a way. I do like Alabama in the first half here, but I like Kansas State for the game outright. I think they win this game straight up. I think Alabama comes out strong, and Kansas State figures it out in the second half and just takes over. All right, so next time you come in to uh, come on the show, now listen, next time you come in to come on the show, Andy and I go to the bar, which is right there. It's a chain, okay. but they have incredible pot roast. Okay. It's, it's phenomenal. So that is my dinner of choice 
That is what if, – if if Kansas State wins, I will buy you whatever dinner you want on the menu prior to the show. Okay. All right? So And trust me, I lose a lot of these bets. <laughs> Ask Mark Hoke. Mark Hoke has made some money. He's going to be fattening up at Steiner's several times, uh, you know, at KT's expense. Uh, but you can go to the bar. You can go to Steiner's. You can meet me wherever. But if K-State wins straight up, I will be so impressed because I like Kansas State. And if they're good enough to take out Bama straight up in this one, I got to see it, but I will pay for it. I'm already on Alabama, so I'll pay a little more. I'll tell you what the bet should be, Ken, because you're the big favorite to win the game. If uh, Kansas State wins, you buy him the entire dinner. If uh, Alabama wins, uh, he buys you just the extra helping of uh, roast beef. (laughs) There you go. All right, good, good enough. Good enough. No, I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll be the one that offers there. As, as since I, yeah, there you go. Since I opened my mouth there, uh, which KT is known to do. All right, so let's get to the uh, two big games. Andy, what about it with Georgia and Ohio State sitting at six and a half, pretty much steadily over the last uh, ten days? Started. I see a lot of places now. No, I see six and a half pretty much everywhere. I'm looking at Westgate and Circa and Caesars. I was thinking at uh, uh, the Clemson uh, game, which is down to six and a half. Six, yeah. Down to six. Georgia, yeah. Georgia, six and a half total. Sixty-two. AI, where are you on this one? I'm on Ohio State. You know, we always talk about overreacting, and you don't want to overreact to what you saw last. And what you saw out of uh, Ohio State last was uh, getting outplayed by Michigan in the second uh, in the second half of the of the game. These teams are loaded on both sides of the football with future NFL talent. Uh, they've been at the top of the national rankings for the uh, uh, past uh, uh, couple of seasons. Um, I don't think any, I don't think either team has an edge in motivation. Uh, you know, you could take a look at Ohio State. Uh, well, you take a look at Georgia. Well, the Ohio State's motivation may be that Georgia at one point during the season, I think, jumped over them uh, to number one in the polls, even though Ohio State hadn't, uh, hadn't lost. And, of course, Georgia has been the, the solid team all season uh, as far as that goes, along with, uh, uh, with Michigan. Uh, I, I still have these teams power rated within three to four points of one another. I do rate Georgia as the, uh, as the better team, but you're getting nearly a touchdown in this one. And then you take a look. It's so difficult to win back-to-back national championships almost in any sport unless you're the Boston Celtics of the 50s and 60s or the UCLA Bruins Bruins of the uh, late 60s, early 70s. You just don't see repeat champions or teams going on extended runs. We had, you know, Florida won, I think, back-to-back uh, uh, college basketball titles, uh, you know, 15, 16 years ago. But it's very difficult in football because of the physical nature of the game. Uh, I think Ohio State is every bit as good as we expected them to be at the start of the year. They had one bad half of football. There you go. I'm not impressed with their schedule. Jose, where are you with Ohio State? Georgia's not the same team that they were last year, if we're being honest. You look at their schedule, they had a lot more closer games against some opponents that the game should not have been as close as they were. Um, I'm kind of with Andy, though. They're, in my opinion, just based off of money, because uh, call me crazy, I look at money all the time. That's part of the way that I bet. There's way too much money on this Georgia team right now, and it is at 6.5. I'm going to take Ohio State, and I'm buying the hook. I'm getting the 7 if I can, if I don't find it anywhere at any book. Way too much money on Georgia, so I'm riding with the books. The books need Ohio State bet. All right, so I end up taking on an alternate line. I took Ohio State plus 7.5, but I may come back and take Georgia under the touchdown, and here's why. When you look at Ohio State, yeah, they won the opening game. It was ugly, 21 10 against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, new coach, new team trying to figure things out. Ohio State at the horseshoe. Yeah, they won, but it wasn't really that convincing. There are other games throughout. Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, way down this year. Rutgers at Michigan State, Iowa, atrocious. At Penn State, they trailed that game fourth quarter. At Maryland, they trailed that game fourth quarter. And Michigan, they get beat. Those are the three good teams they played. They were losing two in the fourth quarter. 
and they got buried in the four, in the second well, half in the other game. Question, those three teams that they trailed in the fourth quarter, are they a better team than Missouri? All three of those teams? Uh, Maybe not Wisconsin. Yeah, Penn, Penn State is. Maryland, Maryland and Missouri could be a toss-up. Yeah, so I'm saying that by the same token, Georgia was in the same situation in that game. Okay, but Georgia was on Georgia was on the road. Uh, Ohio State was at Penn State, but they were at home for the Michigan game. So you know, I mean, again, the, the one game that they looked bad in a half. You're right, a bad half of football, but it's your biggest half, and you're the home team. And everybody thought you were going to blow them out. They lost their two best defensive players to the NFL draft. Yes, you lost players as well. At the end of the day, Ohio State, very when fortunate. When you are an elite program, you can win both at home and on the road. That's, That's what it. makes them elite programs. They don't always win when they're at home, but they win often enough on the road to justify that status. Okay, well, all the Ohio State faithful that I've talked to that have rooted for this team forever and know this team's history inside out, they were disgusted by that game against Michigan. And they said, we don't belong in the playoff after that second half. Uh, They have been fans, which is why they're not on the field. Well, again, I mean, if if you show me a big-time win – and that's the problem in college football, because what do we have with Ohio State? One, two, three, four, five straight games at home. That's how they start their season. Michigan, four straight games at home. Both teams played more games. At, they played eight games at home, both these teams. Both teams played four games on the road. That's disgusting in college football. And you're going to tell me playoff is fair? You played eight freaking home games. Where's this game being? Where's the uh, Georgia game being played? Talking about being fair, Atlanta, Georgia. Well, at the end of the day, they're the number one team, and that just happens to fall into the play of where that game would be. And so Georgia's in that game. They're the number one team, Andy. They haven't lost yeah, in two years. Have, they could have put them in the Fiesta Bowl to make it more more neutral site. Well, they didn't, and uh, I know that's insane. All right. Well, listen, I I'll be rooting for a lot of friends that are Buckeye fans and family. Uh, that are Buckeye fans. I'm friends with a few people from Georgia, but they won it last year, so we'll see if the Buckeyes are good I will, enough. I will say one thing. The SEC, well, and Jose pointed out, Georgia is down from last year. I think last year's Georgia team is probably uh, four points better than this year's team. But the SEC as a whole is down out. You know, Alabama, we talk about the two close losses for Alabama. They also had those two close wins against A&M and Texas, or they could easily be 8-4 and four instead mm-hmm. of 10-2. and two. Auburn was down. LSU not as strong as they were, although they did start slowly. Uh, you look at Mississippi and Mississippi State, nice teams, but not of the quality of past years. So I think overall the SEC – was down this year from what we've seen, especially defensively, which is what the SEC has made its reputation on over the uh, the last couple of decades. Uh, Georgia, the exception this year with defense, but the rest of the conference was down, especially Alabama. Yeah, but Tennessee was up. Tennessee was up big time. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Fl- Florida, Florida was down, I, I agree. Arkansas was down a little bit. Auburn was way down. Florida, to me, way down. Uh, Kentucky, yeah, you know, good. When Rodriguez got back, they were okay. LSU lost a tough one to Florida State, and that, that didn't look so bad, that one-point opening loss. Uh, but they got the biggest win for Brian Kelly by beating Bama, and that knocked Alabama out of the playoff contention, or they could have been sitting where Tennessee was at number five uh, somewhere along the line, and they probably would have gotten in over that Ohio State team had they only, of course they would have, if they only had the one loss. There's no doubt that Bama would have gone uh, before Ohio State got back in there after USC lost to Utah. All right, real quick, guys, because we don't have a lot of time. TCU and Michigan, this line has stayed uh, at seven and a half pretty much for a long time, and it sits there now at the Westgate Superbook, 58 and a half, 
You know what? I'm going to start with you, Jose, on this one. I want to see which way you're going on this one. TCU, Michigan, Fiesta Ball, Phoenix, seven and a half. Uh, boy, the Wolverines favored, 58 and a half your total. J.J. McCarthy, that's all I got to say. The kid's undefeated as a starting quarterback at Michigan. I think Michigan is the best team in this college four playoff that's left. Call me crazy. What they did to Ohio State and how they did it just proved the team that they have this year. I honestly believe that they're going to go in there, take care of business. I don't see... TCU having a chance in this game. Uh, call me crazy. Some people, everybody I spoke to says that this is going to be a lot closer than the seven and a half line that we have here. I think Michigan's going to blow them out of the water and show everybody what they're about. And I think that's just going to lead to them getting to that national title game and taking it all. Andy? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. Uh, I think this Michigan team is as good, if not better, than the team last year. And, of course, you talk about motivation. You don't need it when you're playing for a championship. But Michigan remembers how they got taken apart by uh, Georgia in the uh, semifinal game last year. Uh, I think they're hoping for a chance. In fact, they'll know if they'll have a chance to play Georgia because that Georgia game, uh, I believe, is, is going to be played first. So we'll know if it's going to be Georgia or Ohio State. So either way, Michigan is looking for an opportunity to either avenge the Ohio State loss from this year or or avenge the, uh, I'm sorry, to, uh, to, to double up on Ohio State this year or avenge the loss against Georgia last year. I just think there's too much, there's too much more talent on this Michigan team, and I think defensively that's going to be where I think they may cause some problems for TCU. I've loved this TCU team all year. I was rooting for them to win the, uh, uh, the Big 12 championship game. They had a great, uh, uh, a great comeback to force the overtime and lost by a field goal to Kansas State. Um, I think just ultimately uh, they're just. I think they're going to be overmatched. I'm not going to say it's going to be like a 34-7 game, but wouldn't be surprised if it's something like uh, you know 31-16 or something like that. Unreal how people just forget about the week before the Ohio State great second half, 28-3. What happened the week before in Ann Arbor? They barely. Be- no, in fact, they didn't beat Illinois. The freaking referees beat Illinois. Come on. Illinois. Go back and watch that fourth quarter. You will see two phantom calls. You will see a defensive holding and a pass interference call that are absolute jokes at key junctures of the game, setting up Michigan's field goals to get them within where a field goal would win, where they win it on the last play of the game. Illinois dominated that game physically and should have won the game. They got jobbed, and the reason they got jobbed is my feeling, conspiracy-wise, is Big Ten knowing that if Michigan and Ohio State went into the game in Columbus both undefeated, that they'd be sitting fat because they'd have one undefeated team left at the end. And what does that do? That puts one of your teams in the playoff. All they have to do is take care of some weak foe from the Western side, happen to be Purdue, uh, who gave it a game effort against Michigan. But at the end of the day, I think Michigan's going to be in for a hell of a game because TCU is blue-collar. So I'm like your buddies, Jose. I'm with TCU, and you're going to give them more than a touchdown. Show me, Michigan. Show me that second half wasn't a fluke because Ohio State wasn't ready for you to throw over the top. They never made adjustments and that's on Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. We'll see how things pan out and the defense coordinator. Uh, we'll see how things pan out but I think TCU will keep that game nip and tuck. Take our final break. Come back. Yeah, I Go think over. Illinois uh, uh, got those uh, unfavorable calls or those favorable calls because the referees were distracted by looking at the grassy knoll. <laughs> by the what? The grassy knoll. The grassy knoll. Okay. All right, great. All right, so uh, KT will take the final break of the evening, come back. We'll go rapid fire on the four games on January the 2nd. 
But then we're going to get into the big games for the NFL. It'll be rapid fire. We'll get literally you know, 20 seconds per game on each guy so we can get a bunch of the games in. SportsX Radio closing things out on a throwback Thursday. Tomorrow night in studio, Thomas Viola takes over. KT will be uh, getting the preparations with a lot of family coming in for a big New Year's Eve weekend. And... Uh, yeah, we'll be paying attention to that Raider game against San Francisco on Sunday as well. We are live from Vegas. Come right back. You're listening to SportsX Radio. Yes, lots of conspiracy theories here right out of the X-Files on a throwback Thursday with Ken Thompson uh, talking about conspiracy theories as far as Michigan, Illinois. Go back and watch that game, please. Uh, those that didn't have a vested interest, anybody that's neutral that just wants to watch a good football game because Illinois should have won that game at the big house. But it makes sense. Both teams go in undefeated to the uh, uh, to the horseshoe, and you know you're going to have an undefeated Big Ten team come out of there more than likely going to take out a weak foe. It wasn't like a powerful Wisconsin team that usually comes out of the West. wasn't like that this year, and uh, the West was way down. I do give Purdue credit. They hung with Michigan for a while, but Michigan ended up winning and covering that game, the Big Ten championship game at Lucas Oil. All right, guys, so we're going to go extremely fast now as far as the uh, – college football on January 2nd. Again, uh, because the first falls on Sunday, we've got NFL football. So Monday becomes our January 1st games, basically. But we only have four games. We've got Mississippi State, Illinois. Uh, Jose, I'm going to start with you on this one. Mississippi State minus one and a half, total 46. You doing anything with this game? The ReliaQuest Bowl from Rancho, from Raymond James Stadium there in Tampa. I think this one's easy. Illinois opens as a minus one and a half point favorite. All of the money is coming in on Illinois, but yet the line flips to Mississippi State minus one and a half. Makes absolute no sense. Give me Illinois in the game. There it is. It's because of the death of Mike Leach, I believe, Andy, that a lot of people feel that Mississippi State's going to give it their all. Does that influence your bet as far as this game? Uh, it really didn't just enhance my preference. I initially liked Illinois in the game when the matchups first came out before all the other uh, situations occur. Of course, Mike Leach passes away. Uh, but the reason why I decided I didn't like Illinois, number one, their defensive coordinator uh, is off uh, as, a, as, as a new head coach elsewhere. And there are so many defections or, or opt-outs from this Illinois team that they're going to be a shell of what they were. And I think now that you have the added motivation for uh, Mississippi State, I think it's very important to them. So, you know, and basically a pick-and-game Mississippi State now minus one, one-and-a-half. I'm on that side. All right. So real quick, guys, because so, we've got to go. We're not going to get any of the NFL games in. Tulane, USC, uh, not sure if Caleb Williams gives it a go there in Arlington at AT&T Stadium, the Cotton Bowl. Tulane, you know they're going to be sky high for this one. Michael Pratt's a pretty good quarterback what about it jose do you like Tulane? they're plus two against southern cal total 62 i'm a usc guy you see the tatted on my arm i don't bet on or off my team's games i'll just be watching it enjoying it there you go all right andy what about you uh, not sure about uh, with Caleb Williams. Uh, you know why would he play in this game uh, coming off the injury? And I think the line tells you that uh, Tulane has a real chance in this game. Not one of my stronger plays, but uh, I do uh, side with Tulane. Yeah, if he doesn't go, Miller will also go for USC, and they'll rely on the run game with Austin Jones, Relique Brown, Darwin Barlow, and then the great receiving core with Washington Williams, Rice Fuller. Uh, some of the guys won't play, uh, but some will as well for Coach Lincoln Riley and Southern Cal. Utah, or I'm sorry, Purdue and LSU, that's the Citrus Bowl. And uh, 
Well, you know what? This will be an interesting game, but uh, or would have been if, if Purdue was playing a lot of their players, but they're not playing hardly any of their skill position players, including their quarterback. Andy, what about it? LSU's a 14.5-point favorite total, 56. Yeah, and at, uh, it's going to be one of the games starting also at 10 a.m., so I'll probably be spending most of my time watching SC Tulane. No interest in laying 14.5 with LSU, although you probably can cover, but want no part of Purdue given what you've mentioned. Yeah, what about it, Jose? I have no play on this. If anything, I might touch the total, but we'll stay away from it for now. Yeah, Jaden Daniels will be coming back for LSU to quarterback for Brian Kelly. Said he may play in this game as well in their running game with Williams, Kane, and Emory Jr. Pretty solid. I think LSU is going to roll big time. And then the granddaddy of them all, Utah and Penn State. Should be a fun one. Utah minus 252 and a half. Uh, I know Brad Powers is looking at Penn State and Sean Clifford and the guys to take care of business with that young backfield with Singleton and Allen and uh, the defense there. Utah, uh, they're going to go with, you know, a, still a loaded backfield with Bernard and then Jackson and Glover coming on late. Cam Rising, pretty good quarterback, but no Keithy, no Kincaid from the uh, tight end positions. That could hurt. Andy, what about it? Utah minus 252 and a half, Rose Bowl, Pasadena. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this game for a while. Uh, I like Utah in this spot. Uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham, longtime coach at Utah. They joined the Pac-12 in, uh, it was the Pac-10, then the Pac-12 in 2011. His goal was to get to a Rose Bowl that accomplished that last year. Gave Ohio State a great game, and of course they lost to uh, the Buckeyes by three. Uh, started the season losing at Florida. Uh, that took away... Basically, their hopes of making it to a national championship game that was solidified with their midseason loss to UCLA. So their goal the rest of the year was to make it to the championship game of the Pac-12, win that game, and get another chance at the Rose Bowl. Only thing that might have made it better is if they had another chance at Ohio State. But Penn State's a worthy opponent. I just like this Utah physicality. I like the quarterback play, and uh, I like the coaching advantage, too. All right, so three and a half minutes to get to some NFL games. Let's go right to the best game of the week. That is Monday night, Bills and Bengals. Bills win pretty much going to get that home field advantage. I'm convinced they'll get it. Uh, You know, their final game uh, will be at home against New England. If they don't win that game since he wins it, the Chiefs take care of Denver. Then here at the Raiders, the Chiefs would be the home field. If the Chiefs lose one of those games and the Bengals do beat Buffalo and then close out with a home win against Baltimore, then the Bengals would have home field throughout the playoffs in the AFC. Now that we got that straight, Bills are minus one, total 49.5. Jose, Monday night, who wins? I like the Bengals. They're on a six-game winning streak as a dog with Joey Burrow. I think that um, the Bills have a participation quarterback in Josh Allen. It all goes through him. They have no other type of defense or running game or anything else. The Bengals are playing a lot better than they did last year, and they look better than last year's team. Give me the Bengals at home as a primetime home dog. Andy? Uh, I like the Bengals. I wouldn't. I have them for the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be disappointed if they lose this game and then beat Baltimore to uh, uh, to to, uh, to win the division in week uh, in week eighteen. But uh, uh, I'll be on the Bengals. I just I've keep been waiting for that letdown, and maybe that letdown came in that first half of Tampa Bay, and they regrouped at halftime and played well again against New England when they got out to the big lead and you know held on at the end. All right, real fast, Jose Vikings at Packers. Vikings. Uh... You know, finding ways to win all these games this year, and now all of a sudden the pack's still alive at Lambeau, minus three and a half with Aaron Rodgers, total 48. Vikings are 12-3, and three, but the ATS record does not show that. They sh- they're a completely different team, and you- we know how Aaron Rodgers loves to play against the Vikings. Give me the Packers at home. Andy? Uh, uh, three of the uh, Packer of the Vikings losses all by double digits. They have one double digit win, and that was opening week twenty three seven over Green Bay. I like the Packers. Mike White back at the helm for the Jets in Seattle. Jets minus one and a half, forty two and a half. Jose, give me my Jets. I normally don't bet on or off my team, but I like Mike White. He looks healthy. He looks good, and the Seahawks are backtracking. Give me the Jets minus one and a half. AI. 
Neither team playing well, but I prefer to take Seattle as a home dog in a difficult spot for the Jets to play, especially traveling all the way across country. They should still be alive regardless of what happens in the earlier game, even though they have remote chances for the playoffs. They will take the field still being alive, however. Ravens minus 2.5-35 in Baltimore. Still no Lamar Jackson. Steelers 7-8 and eight all of a sudden. What about it, Jose? And Mike Tomlin, I trust. Give me the Steelers on the road. I think they cover this and probably went out right. Andy? Uh, I normally take the underdog at three or more at the at, uh, at less than three, which it is right now. I play the home favorite, Baltimore. Great right. field goal kicker uh, might be the difference. There you go. Going to be interesting. And then uh, Colts, Giants, just want to see, Andy, what about the Giants? Is that a short line? Daniel Jones and the guys against the Colts, Nick Foles? Giants laying anything over a field goal to four points is not a short line. Uh, so I don't know that I want to lay the points with the Giants. I can't take it with the Colts. I'll look for the game to stay under. Jose? I like the Giants. I picked up their D for my fantasy championship this weekend. Instead of the Bills defense, I think they're going to do pretty good against the Colts. All right, Jose, let everybody know how they can find you, how they can follow you, because you're going to be back on SportsX Radio. But where else can they hear you? On Twitter, at Jose underscore Volonte, at Straight Bet Sports. And on YouTube, just look up Straight Bet Sports with Jose V, and we are live on the channel. Andy Isco? Uh, Vegas Andy 711 uh, at, uh, on uh, Twitter and uh, for uh, information and uh, some NFL and college football stats. AI, you got to come in and uh, hang with us next time Jose's in studio. But we appreciate you, Andy. You've done an we'll incredible job. We'll be in there next year. Well, you're awesome. And I was going to say you've done an incredible <laughs> job week. once again this year, finishing up your ninth straight year on Thursday nights on SportsX Radio. AI, happy new year to you, your family, your friends. Appreciate you big time, buddy. Can't wait to see you next year. Same, same to you, Christy, and your family, and to Jose, to you and your family. Well, happy, healthy, and prosperous uh, new year in 2023. Thank there you, you go. Great stuff, Jose. Appreciate you stopping by studio. Hope to see a lot more of you in 2023. Appreciate you big time. My best to you and your family. Happy new year, bud. Appreciate you for having me in, and I can't wait to be back. All right, that'll do it for us on a throwback Thursday. Tomorrow, the Friday football fiasco. It's going to be a fiasco with Tom Viola at the helm. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mark Hoke will be producing. He's the best. Don't forget the Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You'll like professional wrestling. You'll love the Mark Hoke Show. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, it's SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next year. Good night. Talk to you then. Good night, everybody.